0: Dr. Carolyn Messner, Senior Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care, please go ahead.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Regina, and I too would like to welcome everyone to today's program, the 2023 American Society of Clinical Oncology (ASCO) Annual Meeting Triple Negative Breast Cancer Research Updates. And today's program is done in partnership with the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, and we really want to thank them for their supporting just a number of these programs during the past many months and into the future as well. Um, and today's program is made possible by the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, an independent grant from Merck and Company, Inc., and, G- and Gilead, and I really want to thank them for their support of this program. Now, I just want to indicate to all of you that we have over 271 participants on the call today. You come from all of the United States, from both urban, rural, suburban, and frontier communities, but we also have a number of international participants. Um, And they're from um, Algeria, Australia, Canada, Egypt, Ghana, Kuwait, Italy, Sweden, and the United Kingdom. So it is a global call as well. And it's a credit to all of you that you're choosing to spend this next hour with us. And now it is my pleasure to introduce our first speaker. And our first speaker is Dr. Kamal Abu Hussein. And Dr. Hussein is Assistant Professor of Medicine, Cooper Medical School of Rowan University University. Adjunct Assistant Professor, Department of Breast Medical Oncology, M.D. Anderson Cancer Center, Co-Director of the Janet Knowles Breast Cancer Program, Director of Breast Cancer Clinical Trials, M.D. Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper. And Dr. Hussain will be addressing new research on triple negative breast cancer presented at ASCO, triple negative breast cancer, specific treatment updates, updates on clinical trials and advancing treatment choices and communicating with the healthcare team, with telehealth, telemedicine appointments. It's my pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Hussein.
2: Thank you so much, Dr. Mesmer, for um, inviting me to speak on this very important uh, topic. Um, so, first of all, triple-negative breast cancer accounts for about 10 to 20 percent of all breast cancer cases, and it's usually defined by its negative testing results for the estrogen, the progesterone, and the HER2 markers and that's why we call it triple negative. And historically, this disease remained as the most challenging subtype in breast cancer. Uh, It normally is expected to have more of an aggressive nature, and uh, it used to have limited treatment options. Uh, And typically, neoadjuvant chemotherapy, which means chemotherapy that is administered before surgery, Uh, is the preferred approach to treating um, stage 2 and stage 3 triple negative breast cancer. And we usually look for an end result called pathologic complete response. Pathologic complete response means complete disappearance of the cancer cells from the breast and the lymph nodes. Uh, That remains as a validated biomarker for prediction of long-term clinical benefits from this neoadjuvant chemotherapy. Uh, It has really correlated well with an improvement in event-free survival and overall survival moving forward. There's a score called the residual cancer burden, or also shortened as um, RCB score, and that is used to evaluate response to neoadjuvant therapy. And, for example, a score of zero means complete resolution, no residual cancer, one means minimal residual disease. Two means moderate, and three means extensive uh, disease burden that is remaining after chemotherapy. And for a very long time, triple negative breast cancer's only option for systemic therapy was in the form of chemotherapy, which continues to be the standard of care for, for that disease. However, we've seen uh, a few classes of agents, including immune check- checkpoint blockers, BARB inhibitors, and antibody drug conjugates, which have demonstrated a clear benefit in the treatment of this disease. Uh, in the metastatic setting, the decision of treatment choice for triple-negative breast cancer is impacted by testing for a marker called the pdl one marker. That could qualify the patient for treatment with a combination of chemotherapy and immunotherapy if that marker is positive, and that was based off the results of the Keynote 355 clinical trial. This is a trial that compared metastatic patients being treated with chemotherapy and immunotherapy versus chemotherapy alone, and it did show a benefit to the combination therapy in both progression-free survival, which means the amount of time that the patients are alive without the cancer spreading, growing, or getting worse, and overall survival of the patients. Another class of drugs are the ADCs or the antibody drug conjugates, and um, that's a really important topic here. So this is a smart design where they identify a certain marker on the surface of the cancer cells, and they develop an antibody against that marker, and they link it to a molecule of chemotherapy so that it would go and find where the marker is present, it would bind to it. And the whole complex is engulfed inside the cancer cell, and the chemotherapy is released from inside, leading to killing it from within. And the whole idea, of course, is it's a design to target only the cancer cells and hopefully, uh, hopefully spare the normal appearing cells. And that opened the door for another option, which is FDA-approved, um, an ADC called sasituzumab Govitican, also known as Tridelvi. There are other ADCs, or antibody drug conjugates, that have very promising results. Uh, As an example, one that is called didepotamab diroxetucan, or b 2 dxd which initially um, um, really reflected a lot of uh, promise after it was tested in a basket trial. A trial that treated multiple different types of tumor. The trial was called Pan Tumor O1 study and that was an early phase clinical trial. One of the arms was metastatic heavily pretreated triple negative breast cancers, and it showed some durable efficacy in about a third of those patients with very reasonable and tolerable side effect profile. Now, this will be a perfect time to also discuss the concept of HER2 low. So historically, testing for the HER2 positivity, so that is the third marker that we discussed in the beginning, was dictated by certain parameters, which would subtype cancers as HER2 positive if they are um, above a certain testing threshold, and everything else was considered HER2 negative. Now, we now know that there is this new entity of breast cancer called the HER2 low subset, and some of these patients were previously lumped in the triple negative breast cancer subset, but now... As we have good data supporting treating this category of patients in the metastatic setting with a drug called trastuzumab, deruxtecan, or known as Enhertu, that's another antibody drug conjugate, we're looking back at prior testing results for all of our patients, and we are considering using this drug, which is a, a really meaningful treatment option. So if you're a patient that is being treated for metastatic triple-negative breast cancer, I would encourage you to discuss with your oncologist your HER2 status, whether it was a true HER2 negative or HER2 low. Now, shifting gears and focusing on early-stage breast cancer in the triple-negative setting, uh, a very similar trial, the Keynote 522, is a trial that looked at all of those early-stage patients and um, despite or regardless of the pdl one positivity or not, the patients uh, who had between one to two centimeters of disease and a positive lymph node or more than two centimeters regardless of nodal involvement, those patients were treated with either chemotherapy alone or chemotherapy in combination with immunotherapy, an agent called Keytruda or pembrolizumab. and they showed that there is a higher degree of obtaining the same endpoint, the pathologic complete response, Uh, And now, this has become the new standard of care for locally advanced cancer. Um, One very important chemotherapy agent in the backbone of treatment of triple negative breast cancer is uh, a group of medicines called anthracyclines. Anthracyclines are very important. They're very efficient. However, they do have toxicity to the heart. And so, some patients are not good candidates for the use of anthracyclines. And um, for that reason, um, they have been working on non-anthracycline-containing regimens in multiple trials. One very important trial is a phase two trial called Neopact. That trial evaluated neoadjuvant immunotherapy with temporalizumab plus two chemotherapies. One of them is called carpoplatin and the other one is docetaxel. The triplet is given every three weeks for a total of six times before surgery, and they tested about 120 patients with stages 1, 2, and 3 triple negative breast cancer, and they were able to achieve a very comparable level of pathologic complete response. So that might be an option for patients who can't receive anthracyclines. Two very important drugs, really, that are in the guidelines for use of patient, in patients who received neoadjuvant chemotherapy, and were not able to completely eliminate their cancer at the time of surgery are, number one, the uh, Cate cytokine or and uh, That's an oral chemotherapy, and that was uh, based on the results of the CREATE-X trial. This is a trial that studied more than 900 patients that were either hormone receptor positive or triple negative. They all received chemotherapy before surgery and ended up with residual disease. About 30% of those patients were triple negative patients, and they showed that with the addition of about six months of this oral chemotherapy postoperatively, we were able to see an improvement in disease-free survival and the overall survival. The other drug is for patients who carry a germline mutation, the BRCA1 or the BRCA2 gene, And that oral medicine is called Olaparib based on the results of the OLYMPIA trial where they showed an improvement in um, invasive disease-free survival and the overall survival from using the oral PARP inhibitor Olaparib for one year post-operatively. There's a lot of future directions to better understand the disease. um, And we know that not all triple negative breast cancers are the same they're breaking them down into different subtypes molecularly. And uh, all of those subtypes show different behaviors and different response to uh, therapeutics. Um, There's definitely a lot of work that is being done to find another biomarker other than pathologic complete response, a lot of work with circulating um, uh, tumor DNA to assess residual disease and impact therapeutics based on that. Um, I was asked also to comment on telemedicine, and um, as all of us know and probably all of us have used this technology um, of connecting virtually with our providers, I think it's gained a lot of popularity during the pandemic, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, and it's been very helpful for us and for our patients to continue to take good care of them in a safe way. Um, I don't think it's a complete replacement for an in-person visit, but I think it's a nice alternate uh, or supplemental way uh, of seeing patients between in-person visits to discuss test results or scans and so forth. I think all of us now know that it's not impossible or highly unlikely that we're going to see the same time again in the future. So It's really important to familiarize yourself with the technology um, um, as it's a really uh, important way of uh, continuing to take uh, good care of yourself. Uh, at this point, I'm going to stop and um, back to you, Dr. Mesner.
1: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Hussein. That was just a wonderful, stellar presentation, and you really set the stage for the program today. Covered a lot of important topics, and I know that there'll be questions for you during the Q and A. So thank you, thank you so much. And our next speaker is Dr. Ajit Bisin. Dr. Beeson is Assistant Professor, Department of Medical Oncology, Department of General Oncology, the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. And Dr. Beeson will be addressing the increasing role of diagnostic testing, biomarkers, and genetic testing in informing treatment options, investigational new therapies and clinical trials, new developments in the prevention and management of treatment side effects, symptoms, discomfort, neuropathy, and pain and guidelines to prepare for telehealth, telemedicine appointments, including technology, prepared list of questions, adherence, follow-up care, and discussion of open notes. It's really my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Beeson.
3: Uh, Thank you, Dr. Mezner. So, Dr. Hussein did a great job of uh, introducing um, the triple negative breast cancer, its diagnosis, and standard uh, treatment. Now, you know, first, discussing the role of diagnostic testing, biomarkers and genetic testing. Not only is that important for uh, standard treatment decisions, uh, it is also important for uh, investigational treatments. Once you start out with the triple negative breast cancer, over time, those clones, those those cells can mutate and express different uh, mutations as they see different treatments. So generally, um, part of diagnostic testing is, uh, you know, breast mammogram, ultrasound, uh, breast MRIs, but then there's sophisticated molecular testing that we do as well where where we will do um, next-generation sequencing and assess for mutations that the tumor uh, has developed. And there's also what's called liquid biopsy, which is an easy uh, blood sample uh, that assesses DNA from the release from tumor cells and um, uh, mutations within that DNA are then reported out. Uh, Dr. Hussein spoke about uh, PDL1 testing that helps us determine whether immunotherapy would be an option um, for treatment of triple negative breast cancer. Um, and then biomarkers. When we say biomarkers, we are mainly referring to estrogen receptor, progesterone receptor, uh, and the HER2 status. All of these are receptors expressed on the surface of the cancer cell, and that helps us then uh, 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 characterize the cancer in terms of what it's driven by. Triple negative breast cancer, the estrogen receptor will be negative, progesterone receptor will be negative, HER2 will be negative, it can also be her too low, as mentioned by uh, Dr. Hussein. Um, when um, estrogen receptor level and uh, progesterone receptor—if it's above one percent—technically it's uh, positive. Um, however, um, you know we know that if the if there's low level of these hormone receptors. Uh, between 1% to 10%, they tend not to respond to um, anti-estrogen therapy. So, we tend to treat these very low-level hormone receptor-positive patients uh, also as triple negative, with a um, triple-negative treatment. Genetic testing is very important as well. All triple-negative breast cancer patients should have genetic testing done. If you haven't had that, you should speak to your provider about that. The reason is that if uh, someone with triple negative breast cancer uh, has inherited the BRCA1 or BRCA2 mutation from their parents, um, there's treatment for that as well. Those are the PARP inhibitors. The, you know, one medicine, It's a, these are oral pills, one is called Uh, telazoparib another one is olaparib Um, so when we do all of this diagnostic workup it's imaging biomarkers uh part 2 status testing pdl one testing molecular testing liquid biopsy and genetic testing and all of this information then we uh, utilize to decide the stage of the breast cancer and then our goal and the treatment regimen Um, You know, uh, I'd like to next I'll transition into investigational new therapies as we already discussed um, uh, standard treatment for triple negative breast cancer. There are many different clinical trials ongoing and I think that uh, patients and and, uh, caregivers can Empower themselves and inform themselves by really going to uh, this website www.clinicaltrials.gov that can help you identify uh, clinical trials that are actively enrolling and then the institutions that are uh, participating in institutions uh, for these trials Now there's a different Try, uh, levels of trials, so there's different phases: phase one, phase two, phase three, um, and and uh, you know they evaluate medications at different level uh, of therapeutic advantage and uh, in lines of treatment. In general, triple negative breast cancer is treated by um, either chemotherapy, targeted therapy. Those would be your PARP inhibitors. Uh, Immunotherapy, uh, the only immunotherapy drug for triple negative uh, breast cancer that's currently approved is Pembrolizumab, also known as Vitruda. And then you have the antibody drug conjugates, which are these new class of drugs that are showing um, a pretty high level of efficacy. And uh, those are the ones that were mentioned by Dr. Hussein also. So when you have chemotherapy, immunotherapy, uh, targeted therapy and these antibody drug conjugates you want to be able to um, really use the most effective option first and then also have the order of line of treatment uh, so that you have um, you know either uh, you you you, uh, you've either cured the cancer if it's early stage or Uh, have had um, long-term robust response to treatment. Um, Clinical trials that are ongoing, uh, many of them are assessing these antibody drug conjugates that are relatively new, really just approved in the past one or two years, they're usually uh, usually administered as second or third line after someone has progressed on chemotherapy or immunotherapy or targeted therapy, so clinical trials are looking at bringing those in earlier lines of treatment. Um, the uh, one of the medications, fatuzumab, is being assessed in these uh, different this uh, ascent line of uh, clinical trials, for example, ascent zero five is one that is looking at um, modifying your treatment once you have given neoadjuvant chemotherapy and you've had residual disease. So, you know, what, one way of uh, addressing how to assess these medications is bringing in effective drugs that are generally approved for later lines of treatment to bring them in to earlier lines of treatment. Uh, also, when you have localized triple negative breast cancer and you're given chemotherapy, um, one of the regimens is the chemo 522 regimen, which is given with four chemotherapy drugs and one immunotherapy drug. It is a very toxic and um, challenging regimen to give. So some of the clinical trials will look at response to treatment and if there is a very robust response um let's say halfway through the, the treatment, then we will uh these trials will look to de-escalate uh treatment and minimize the side effects. Uh, so that is one of the studies called uh, Artemis uh study that looks at de-escalating treatment based off of how they're responding and we can follow um response on the breast MRI or ultrasound. So We have certain landmarks in how uh, patients are responding to uh, chemotherapy treatment and then modifying the treatment uh, so that you're using the the treatment with the the least amount of side effects now once patients have surgery after having received chemotherapy and they have you know either a complete pathologic response which is great news which means that all of the tumor cells um, you know really were, were killed by the chemotherapy if you if you don't achieve that uh, then it's what's called partial response or residual disease in that case we're left with the choice of modifying the adjuvant treatment which is the remaining treatment after uh, surgery and that modification there are trials uh, to 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 look at different approaches Uh, to that treatment so currently um, you know we use this uh, chemotherapy drug called capecitabine if there is residual disease well we are assessing to see if there are more effective options so again going back to Ascent 05 study as an example that is looking at combining immunotherapy with a uh, antibody drug conjugate class and Asking the question, can we use these newer types of drugs uh, rather than uh, conventional chemotherapy to have a um, you know longer uh, progression free survival a disease free interval um, in the metastatic setting, the theme again is bringing in the newer class of medications into earlier lines um, so so and and beyond that, if there is progression on um, the standard treatment of the, the class of medications that we've discussed, then we have we we check for uh, mutation analysis at every stage of progression. And uh, based off of those uh, mutations, then we'll match them with with earlier phase trials of these uh, investigational drugs that are that have shown uh, efficacy in the lab and then translate that to our patients. And those ultimately lead to, uh, you know, um, if if there's great response, then ultimately lead to phase two, phase three trials uh, and then standard treatment. It's amazing that uh, most of what we're using for triple negative breast cancer um, is really, uh, has been approved in the past 10 10 years. (laughs) So, it's always exciting. There's always new uh, data coming. Um, Just next uh, month, we will have uh, uh, another conference, um, uh, international conference uh, on on breast cancer treatment. And I'm sure there will be new um, therapeutic options discussed there as well. Lastly, um, you know, I'm about... I will also discuss the prevention and management of treatment and side effects, symptoms, discomfort, and neuropathy that's associated with all of these treatments. Um, Depending on what kind of treatment you receive, there can be various different side effects. It's supportive care that carries um, uh, a patient through their treatment and their side effects, and you have to have a great system of services. uh, things that are helpful are uh, integrative approach, such as, you know, acupuncture, meditation, yoga, uh, you know, pain management, if someone's having pain. Um, you know, large uh, cancer centers have uh, neurology services um, assisting with a management of uh, neuropathy, which is just, uh, you know, burning and tingling and a lot of nerve pain. Um, it's it's important to reach out to your team, your providers team, and then these um, additional extended supportive teams, that, including uh, caseworkers and social workers, to to at least help alleviate some of the other stresses uh, that are um, ongoing along with your cancer treatment. Uh, lastly, guidelines to prepare for telehealth and telemedicine. You know, we we really leveraged telemedicine during the pandemic and um, that helped us enhance access to uh, cancer care and medical care in general. And we realized the benefits of of that and the potential of telemedicine. Um, So just recently, a few months ago, you know, the, the waivers for interstate telemedicine Um, encounters unfortunately that expired so what you know I practice in the state of Texas Uh, I'm in Houston and uh, we are our institution actually we're getting uh, licenses in other states uh, full medical licenses or telehealth license so that we're able to um, see patients virtually from other states what's helpful is uh with these telemedicine appointments is just you know being familiar with technology that you're using, the smartphones or or your computers and um uh, and those 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 encounters really can be done um very easily. uh they are scheduled on our template uh, as a regular appointment. We can do telephone calls, we can do video calls. Um, we can have regular follow-up care, um, and and it's it's a great tool. So I encourage um, patients and their caregivers to ask if that is offered and if it is possible um, at where you're getting treated. So with that, um, I will conclude my comments, uh, and uh, thank you.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Beeson. That was just a wonderful presentation to Stella. And you really covered a lot of very important topics. And I know there'll be questions to you during the Q&A as well. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and our next speaker is um, Ms. Haley Dinneman. Ms. Dinneman is co-founder and executive director, Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. She's also a partner and a supporter of all of these uh, triple negative breast cancer programs that we've been doing for the past many months. And she will be discussing Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation's free programs, including their helpline and website. And um, it's my pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Ms. Dinnerman.
4: Thank you so much for that introduction, Dr. Messner. Thank you also to my fellow presenters for your excellent updates and for the insights on emerging research and treatment options. It goes without saying that TNBC-specific medical research is in extremely important to our foundation. We support research at leading medical institutions and we work hard to inform you about any new developments in the area, including clinical trials. Educating our TNBC community with updates from major medical conferences like ASCO, AACR, and SABCS is critical. So if you're interested in receiving these updates, please be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and X. This teleconference is one of many programs offered by the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. We have many TNBC-specific educational brochures and fact sheets that are available in print and as free downloads from our website. We work really hard to make sure that you can find relevant information and practical guidance in our materials, so I hope you'll use them to your benefit. Also, our website, tnbcfoundation.org, offers two free and TNBC-specific clinical trial matching services. Uh, We're told that they're much easier to navigate than other portals. Our website also has a TNBC news section and online discussion forums. Our other online resources include two private TNBC Foundation Facebook groups so you can easily connect with thousands of women who are living with TNBC. These resources are here to help you and to remind you that you are not alone. Additionally, we have a number of monthly Zoom meetups for our TNBC community, Metastatic Mondays, Tuesdays with TNBC friends, and Thriver Thursdays, um, and in partnership with TOUCH, the Black Breast Cancer Alliance, we have an additional monthly Zoom meetup specifically for black women. Our community Zoom meetups give you regular opportunities to connect with your peers and with the foundation. And with respect to research, we're already thinking ahead to the next medical conference. This December, we will be at the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium to bring you information about new and emerging TNBC research. We're going to have extensive interactive programming around this conference so that our community can interact with researchers and doctors at the conference. If you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, X, or visit our website, you'll get regular updates and be able to register for these and all our other their upcoming programs. So once again, thank you for joining us and now I'll turn the program back to Dr. Messner.
1: Thank you so much, Ms. Dinnerman. Wonderful resource for everybody on this call today. Please, if you haven't already contacted the Drupal Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, do so. Um, visit their website, call their helpline. Um, it's just an amazing organization and, um, and Ms. Dinnerman has really dedicated her career for many, many years now to building this organization. And our next speaker is Ms. Cassie Spector. Ms. Spector is an oncology social worker and she's our breast and oncology and gynecological cancer program coordinator at Cancer Care. And she'll be di- discussing triple negative breast cancer foundations free services, including help, helpline, clinical trial matching service, and oncology social work support. And she'll also be telling you how to contact, um, their, um helpline, the website. Um, So I'm going to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Ms. Spector.
5: Thank you, Dr. Messner. As mentioned, my name is Cassie Spector and I'm the Breast and Gynecological Cancers Program Coordinator, as well as an oncology social worker at Cancer Care. My role includes working with individuals diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer and their families, as well as developing programs and initiatives for Cancer Care's Breast and Gynecological Cancers Program. The Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and Cancer Care have partnered together to ensure that those diagnosed with TMBC have access to free psychosocial services and support. The Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation Helpline, which was generously funding, funded by the, by the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, provides callers with access to comprehensive services. Some of the comprehensive services the TNBC Foundation and Cancer Care provide include resource navigation, counseling, and support groups, educational workshops, publications, and limited financial assistance. By calling the TMBC Helpline, individuals are connected with oncology social workers who are aware of the physical, emotional, and practical challenges that may arise when diagnosed with TMBC. As Ms. Sinerman mentioned, the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation also offers the Clinical Trial Matching Program that can make your search for clinical trials faster and easier Callers can speak with a trained clinical trial navigator by calling 855-731-6036 or by visiting www.emergingmed.com slash networks TMBCF. There are many aspects of, the triple negative, of a triple negative breast cancer diagnosis that can be addressed through psychosocial supportive services. Working one-on-one with an oncology social worker through individual counseling can offer a space to express one's emotions, concerns, or feelings. By calling the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Helpline, one of our social workers can help navigate ways to seek supportive services. Individuals diagnosed with TMBC may choose to supplement existing social networks by joining a support group or engaging in counseling. Many hospitals, treatment centers, and nonprofit organizations offer supportive services as well. Joining a support group in particular can offer the chance for TMBC patients to speak with one another, gather information, and provide support. The Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and Cancer Care offer TMBC-specific national online support groups for those diagnosed as well as loved ones. These groups are moderated by oncology social workers, and you can register for an online support group on cancercare.org by selecting our services and then going to our support groups, and you can find them right there. The Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation also offers webinars, virtual meet meet and greets, to connect with others diagnosed with TMBC, as well as discussion forums. You can find more information about these offerings at the TNBCFoundation.org. Individuals may also experience practical and financial concerns through one's treatment, Please know if you're encountering such financial hardships, there are organizations that may be able to help you. Cancer Care's Resource Navigation Program offers short-term strength-based approach to patients and caregivers affected by cancer nationally. A trained specialist will work with the client in connecting them to resources, referrals, and financial assistance. If you are interested in learning more about the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and Cancer Care, I would encourage you to call the TMBC Helpline at 877-880-8622. Our oncology social workers can share additional information about our services and can also help you explore ways to connect with others, including support groups and financial assistance. It's been a pleasure to be part of this very important, inform- very informative program today. Thank you so much for your attention and the opportunity to speak. I will now turn it back to Dr. Mesner.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Inspector, that was really outstanding and a wonderful um, review of all the services available, and please do take advantage of them as well. And now we're going to move on to the q and I'm going to ask Regina to explain to all of you how to queue up the questions, and Regina will let the questions begin.
0: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, we'll take questions from the web only, and you may submit questions by clicking Ask a Question.
1: And I have a question, um first question for Dr. Hussein. I believe there are four subsets of triples, and basal one triples have a robust response to chemo, but basal two, L A R and M E S Y C H I M A L not as much. Can the triple triples category be tested before chemo to influence treatment?
2: Uh yes. That, that's actually a, a great question. Uh, so as we were discussing, I, I think uh, earlier we saw that all triple negative breast cancer based on the estrogen progesterone and the HER2 uh, marker testing are the same and sadly till now we do treat them all the same but in research we know that they are not and there are not only four subtypes, but I believe they are six. Distinct subgroups um, based on their molecular profile, and they that leads to separation of their behavior, their response to treatment, and overall prognosis. Uh, it's like you have six different kids, and each one of them is going to have different needs and different behaviors. Uh, so, as you mentioned, there is basal-like one, basal-like two. There's also something called mesenchymal, mesenchymal stem-like. Uh, There is one called immunomodulatory and one also very important one called uh, LAR or luminal androgen receptor. And uh, as an example, the luminal androgen receptor is is a subtype that happens a lot more uh, commonly in uh, elderly women. It normally has um, low proliferation index and it um, can respond to androgen blockade. Uh definitely not the standard of care, and I, um, I I cannot tell that I have not done that in practice, but definitely it is not the standard of care. Um, and uh, the best answer that I have as to why they, their responses are different is just because their biology is different, and the way they operate and proliferate is quite different from one another.
1: Thank you so much, thank you. Um, and, um, I, these are great questions. The next question uh, for Dr. Beeson, if a triple receives neoadjuvant Keytruda but has residual disease, should the pdl one be tested to-, to confirm its presence before receiving more Keytruda?
3: Oh, that is a great question. Uh, so there are um, studies to see, uh, evaluate um, whether we can deescalate and stop the Keytruda. Um, However, in Keynote 522, it wasn't designed that way. So, you know, they, they planned for Keytruda um, for the whole year. Um, so my answer would be that in Keynote 522, when they treated uh, the cancer in the neoadjuvant setting, they found that uh, the response was not based off of the uh, pd one expression um and I also wonder if if we have residual disease and say that you're looking for the expression of of um PDL one at the time of the you know, after the surgery, have you modified, you know, has the clone changed a little bit? In general practice, we tend not to repeat the biomarkers or the study on the surgical sample after patients have had have received uh neoadjuvant chemotherapy um because it can add some confusion. Uh so there's currently not a standard approach.
1: Awesome, thank you. Thanks so much. And uh question now. Um for Dr. Um, Hussein. Um Regarding um, the importance of biomarker testing in TNBC, at what point will more types of testing be done on TNBC tumors at diagnosis rather than at recurrence? For example, a genetic test could yield a negative BRCA mutation. However, a tumor could have that somatic mutation. Is that information not useful in diagnosis and treatment?
2: And that's another great question. Uh, you know, as Dr. Bisson uh, alluded to, uh, genetic testing should be done to all uh, triple negative breast cancer patients regarding uh, their age and uh, when it presented. Uh, what we look for when we do genetic testing is we do something called germline testing. Dermline testing is really not going to change. Those are the cells that a person is born with. We're not testing the tumor cells. And if you have the BRCA1 or the BRCA2 mutation, uh, it's not going to change. You either have it or don't have it. So that doesn't really get impacted. Um, What uh, tumor testing or tumor cell testing can yield is a somatic mutation. Somatic mutation is a mutation that is in the cancer cell only, and that is something that is bound to change over time. Currently, the use of... um, The oral PARP inhibitors is only allowed for germline mutations. We don't have good uh, phase three trials to tell us that somatically mutated uh, BRCA cells will respond to the same therapy. Having said that, there is a lot of excitement about not only those uh, two mutations, but there is a third mutation called PALB2 that. will likely benefit also from the use of oral carbon inhibitors. And there's ongoing uh, research to evaluate whether you will benefit from the same treatment if you have uh, somatic uh, BRCA. Uh, so the question is a, it's a very good one, but we don't have any conclusive data regarding that yet.
1: May I, may I add to that? Yes, please. Yes, please. Uh, yes,
3: yeah, so we don't have uh, concluding data. Uh, however, the exciting part is that there is a trial that's looking at, um, you know, somatic, somatic BRCA mutated uh, uh, tumors and with treatment with the PARP inhibitor uh, after, you know, we've had progression with two lines of treatment. So, you know, this this particular study uh, study number is uh, 2021-0033 but you know you can you can find this registered again at clinicaltrials.gov. trials.gov you just type in somatic BRCA mutation triple negative breast cancer um, so so you know these uh, when when patients don't have the germline mutation but the tumor develops that uh, somatic BRCA mutation Currently, we're treating these patients just on a in a clinical trial setting.
1: Excellent, thank you so much. And a question for you, Doctor Beeson: um, Will my doctor discuss clinical trial options with me, or do I have to reach out to them about it?
3: I think it's always helpful to ask them um, because, you know, trials—it's um, a running list of like which which trial is enrolling you know, which arms of the trials are closed to enrollment, um, which ones are on hold. So this is, uh, you know, for example, at our institution, really on a weekly basis, we, we, you know, update a list of ongoing trials. Um, So my recommendation would be to do your research you also look for you can look for trials online and see uh, where these are offered but then ask your uh, clinical provider for it um, in terms of if any are available generally you know uh, our recommendation in terms of what should a patient receive first it's it's a the answer is clinical trial Generally, clinical trials aren't comparing, you know, placebo to a treatment. They're comparing a standard treatment with something that um, a new drug that has shown to be more effective. Uh, but again, they're testing the efficacy of that, right? And um, so, so the answer to that is be proactive. Uh, ask your providers about it. And also know that there are different phases of uh, clinical trials. Um, Now, I didn't mention this uh, earlier, but just briefly, look, phase one is you're assessing a drug at such an early level that it's you're looking at different doses, what is effective. Well, phase one trials are later on down the line. Phase three trials are comparing new treatment to existing treatment. Those are the ones where we say, well, you know, Generally, patients should be offered that clinical trial if it's available. So just remind, talk to your um, doctors about that.
1: Excellent. Thank you. And um, another question for Dr. Hussain. I had um, triple negative breast cancer and got PCR after DELVY trial and followed with four doses of carbotaxel. I am not sure if my tumor was typed for PD-L1. Does it matter now or is it fair to assume PCR is the goal regardless of how you get there?
2: Uh, so just to clarify, so the, the patient had triple negative breast cancer and she was treated with uh, with what?
1: Uh, Trodel, Trodelvy trial, T-R-O-D-E-L-V-Y trial
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and followed Correct. with
1: four doses of carbotaxel.
2: Okay, and she achieved... Pathologic complete response or PCR.
1: So I'm not sure if my tumor was typed for PDL 1. Does it matter now or is it fair to assume PCR is the goal regardless of how you get there?
2: Yeah, so, uh, so this is a patient that was treated on a clinical trial, so not the standard of care. And typically, if the patient achieves pathologic complete response regardless of what treatment they were offered before surgery, that is typically used as a validated surrogate biomarker that would mean exactly the same. So a lot of the clinical trials that are trying to alter the backbone of what would be offered to patients before proceeding with surgery are offering different things. There are ongoing trials that are trying to completely eliminate chemotherapy, and they're offering ADCs like Tridelzy along with immunotherapy, and if the patient achieves pathologic complete response, it is regarded as the same level of achieving pathologic complete response after chemotherapy. Uh, there is no need for pdl one testing at this point because this is a patient uh, that is expected to do overall fairly well with an excellent prognosis, hopefully. Um, we have good data to tell us that patients who achieve this result are having more than 92% chance of uh, remaining without recurrence and being alive for five years, and hopefully they will never have recurrence.
1: Excellent. Um, and... Uh, so there's another question. This was Dr. Beeson. A um, um, person has TNDC stage one that had a 1.3 of tumor treatment given, lumpectomy pathology confirmed, clear margins and no lymph node involvement, followed by eight rounds of ACT and 20 rounds of radiation, currently status NED. Is there any medication that can be taken to lower chance of recurrence or anything further that is available or can of should be done? If you could answer this, um, Dr. Beeson, in a general way so that
3: yeah, generally, um, it just seems that uh, this this particular case, uh, uh, someone's on surveillance now. Their their triple negative breast cancer that was pretty early stage was treated uh, appropriately. Um, you know, one one guideline recommendation is to discuss what we call adjuvant bisphosphonate therapy. Um, there are guidelines um, uh, from from ASCO. Uh, and the benefit is there, it's a minimal benefit, but basically the recommendation this came out about uh, March of 2022, where, you know, it's something that um, can be, that the, the clinical providers can talk to their patients about. And what it is, is that these class of medications called bisphosphonates that help to uh, keep, uh, you know, strengthen the bones, but also are uh thought to kind of block potential cancer recurrence uh in the bones so that can help further reduce the risk of recurrence now the really the guideline was published uh just March of 2022 so it depends you know I don't know when when uh, this uh person was treated uh but that's something to talk to your uh physician about
1: excellent Um, We have a question, actually, which I'll just answer quickly. As many of you are asking, will this whole hour-long meeting be recorded so we can watch it later or listen to it? Yes, um, it it is being recorded as a podcast. It should be up in a couple of days with closed caption, and it will be available for at least a year, if not longer. So just to be aware of that. Um, I'm going to ask all of our speakers. There are many more questions, but I'm going to be respectful to everyone's time. I'm going to ask our speakers if they would just give a one minute um, takeaway for today's program. Um, and I'm going to ask Dr. Hussein to go first, Dr. Beeson second, um, and Ms. Spectre third.
2: Yeah, so I have to say that triple negative breast cancer is definitely, definitely a very, very important disease in the world of breast medical oncology. Um, I'm going to echo Dr. Bisson's words when he said that a lot of the improvements that we are seeing and talking about these years and are becoming the standard of care have only made it to the surface in the last few years. There's a lot of excitement coming up and a lot of hope, hopefully.
1: Thank you so much. Um, And uh, thank you so much, Dr. Hussain. And Dr. Bisson?
2: Uh yes, overall,
3: uh triple negative breast cancer is uh although it's classified as the same, but there are so many different subtypes really. So so you know when when someone is diagnosed, uh we do need to have the uh a very strategic and uh kind of detailed way of figuring out exactly what type of triple negative breast cancer we're dealing with and then adjusting treatment response uh, based off of that. Um, and, and you know, the longer folks are living with triple negative breast cancers, yes, there are new treatments uh, coming in. So I, I see a lot of hope um, and a lot of progress in the field.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks. And Ms. Um, Spector?
5: Thank you. Yeah. So I would say really just to know that you're not alone, whether you're looking for practical and financial support or you're looking for emotional support, know that there's organizations like Cancer Care and the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, as well as a number of other organizations here to help you and be able to help you find the right resources um, for you. So know that you're not alone and there's organizations here to help. Your medical team is here to help. So. Feel free to reach out to those supports to be able to assist
4: you.
1: Well, I just thank you so much. I want to thank our speakers; you've been phenomenal. I want to thank our participants for asking such great questions. Um, we there were so many questions we couldn't get to all your questions. I want to comment on that as well. Um, so, and I think, um, first of all, um, for those of you who asked a question, for those of you who are in queue to ask a question, and for those of you who have a question that you're thinking about. Um, please take all of your questions and go back to your Treating healthcare team with them. You have learned some information on today's program, so you'll take that information that you've learned plus your questions back to your healthcare care team. Remember, they know you the best. They have your medical records um, in the chart. They have it in an electronic chart, and they basically can then address your questions and ask your questions as often as you need to to get the answers you need and also, please be aware that um, your healthcare team consists of your medical oncologist, surgeon, radiation oncologist, the oncology nurse, oncology social worker, uh, um, the uh, financial navigator, and the patient navigator as well. There are a lot of members of your team. So if you're having financial concerns, you can bring them up with your physician. He'll refer you to the person on the team that's most helpful to you. And, of course, you do have both the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and Cancer Care to come to, and many other organizations as well. And, and after today's program, in a couple of days, you'll be getting a Survey Monkey evaluation. And in that evaluation, you'll be given all the resources that were mentioned on today's program. Um, and um, so you'll have those at your fingertips as well. And most importantly, as we conclude the program today, just to echo what Ms. Spector said, we don't want any of you to feel like you're alone in coping with triple negative negative breast cancer, any type of cancer, we want you to know that you're now part of the community of support and we are here to help you. And you do have the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and Cancer Care and many other organizations to turn to. Um, So, again, I want to thank you all for your participation today and I want to wish you all a very fine day. Thank you all.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes the workshop and you may now disconnect. Everyone, have a great day.